Welcome, dear listener, to another episode of True Hauntings and Scary Stories, the podcast where we alternate between spooky conversation and scary short stories. (laughs) Now, here's your host, Miss Cynthia C. Hey, spooky friends. Welcome to another episode of True Hauntings and Scary Stories. Today, okay, so this week, I'm recording this the day before this comes out. So, very last minute for me. So, this past Sunday, my autistic 18-year-old son um, woke up extremely ill, high fever, just very sick. So I rushed him out to get tested, and sure enough, he is COVID positive. So um, I'm happy to report that he recovered very quickly. Like on day three, he pretty much felt like himself again. But I have been his main caregiver, so I have been in quarantine from the rest of my family also. We're a family of five. So my other sons have had to stay away from me. I haven't been able to cook for anybody So this week's been kind of a blur, very strange week for us, but thankfully nobody else is showing any signs. By the end of this weekend, our main quarantine will be over, then we just have to wear masks for another week. But we wear those all the time, um, in public anyway. Anyhow, I don't want to get into all that COVID stuff. That is not why you're here. You are here because I like to talk spooky things with you. And I have chosen a topic for us today, and that topic is poltergeists. Now, I have always been intrigued with the subject of of a poltergeist because there are two main camps. There's those that believe that a poltergeist is an actual spirit or malevolent whatever, demon, I don't know. There are people who think that a poltergeist is something, a tangible something like that. And then there's other people who believe that a poltergeist is actually just activity, like psychotelekinesis-y things, that believe that a poltergeist is physical manifestations from a human being alive in the environment, right? So, like, teenagers going through puberty, (laughs) I've heard that one, it's in this article, people going through that can cause it. It's basically people who can do things with their mind. Uh, Apparently the mind, when it is under great amounts of stress, um, whether that be hormonal or environmental, physical, uh, emotional, people under those types of stress can actually have bouts of telekinesis, more or less. So I find that completely intriguing because I think I might have my own experiences with that, but we'll get into that as we talk about it. So I found this article. I'm going to put the link in the show notes so that you can go and check it out too. But it's an article about the idea that poltergeist activity might actually be from living human beings. First off, the word poltergeist is German. It's a German word meaning noisy spirit. So uh, that's cool. 
makes total sense because most of the activity that is attributed to a poltergeist is physical, rowdy things like throwing things, knocks on doors, people getting bitten and scratched and punched and pinched and whatever. Very physical things. So this article reads, Poltergeist is a German word meaning noisy spirit. It describes many effects such as knocks on walls, objects thrown about by unseen hands, furniture moved, and other occurrences. These manifestations were long thought to be the mischievous pranks of spirits, or more frighteningly, the malevolent works of demons. Current research indicates, however, that poltergeist activity may have nothing to do with ghosts or spirits. Since the activity seems to center around an individual, it is believed that it is caused by the subconscious mind of that individual. It is, in effect, psychokinetic activity, moving objects solely by the power of the mind. The individual is often under emotional, psychological, or physical stress, even going through puberty. Now, I'm not going to lie, puberty is... In fact, stressful, <laughs> both for the kid and the parents. Um, but I have always wondered this because, yes, my grandparents' house was crazy haunted. And yes, I spent a lot of time there. And yes, I do kind of think that some of the energies in that house followed me back and forth to my own home, just based on weird things that happen in my house. But I also had things happen in my home as a teenager that are along the lines of the definition of a poltergeist, like lights flickering and things seemingly moving, voices that shouldn't have been there. I, I don't know, just, I always wondered. I always wondered if maybe I had some poltergeist activity around me because of the turmoil I went through as a kid and teenager. And add that on top of, being at my nanny and grandpa's house all the time with all of its activity, I just figured that maybe there was something, maybe all of that connected somehow. So poltergeist effects can include wrappings on walls and floors, the physical movement of objects, effects on lights and other electronic appliances. There can even be the manifestation of physical phenomena such as water dripping inexplicably from ceilings where no pipes are hidden, and small fires breaking out. Imagine being a teenager going through puberty, and I mean, this is like straight from the movie Carrie, or the book, Stephen King's book, Carrie. She was under great turmoil, so basically that movie is about a poltergeist, because she was under all that turmoil, she was getting bullied and picked on at school, her mom was cray-cray, and teaching her all these weird things, and there was a lot of mental and emotional and physical abuse going on with that girl. And so, is it a wonder that she freaking burst her high school into flames and <laughs> killed everybody in it and was throwing crap around? Basically, that movie is a poltergeist movie. That book is a um, book about a poltergeist. It says, thanks largely to the work of parapsychologist William G. Roll in the 1950s and 60s, they are now commonly understood to be psychokinetic manifestations produced by living persons. 
He called it RSPK, Recurrent Spontaneous Psychokinesis. He found that the paranormal activity could almost always be traced to a person clinically labeled an agent. This agent, although a victim of the puzzling and sometimes frightening activity, is unaware that he or she is actually the cause of it. By some mechanism that is still not understood, the activity arises out of the unconscious or subconscious of the individual in response to emotional stress or trauma. So little is really known about the human brain and mind, but somehow the psychological stresses suffered by this agent produce effects in the surrounding physical world, pounding on the walls of a house, a book flying off a shelf, glowing orbs zipping across the room, heavy furniture sliding across the floor, perhaps even audible voices. In some rare cases, the manifestations can turn violent, producing scratches on the skin, shoves, and slaps. So powerful is the unconscious mind under stress. So then it talks about one of my favorite haunting stories. It's, it says, One possible and famous historical case is that of the Bell Witch from the early 19th century. This was a case of severe poltergeist phenomena that centered around young Betsy Bell. The activity then attributed to a witch threw things around the Bell home, moved furniture, and pinched and slapped the children, according to eyewitnesses. Betsy Bell appeared to have been the agent in this instance. Now, I don't know. I don't know about that. So I looked up the Bell Witch and I found some facts about it. So the Bell Witch occurred in the early 19th century with the Bell family. The family's last name was Bell. That's why they called it the Bell Witch. It's in northwest Robertson County in Tennessee. The father, John Bell Sr., was a farmer. And they were haunted very, very act actively from 1817 to 1821. Um, there was a book written in, published in 1894 that was supposedly the true account of this whole haunting. An Authenticated History of the Bell Witch. It's written by Martin V. Ingram, I-N-G-R-A-M. Okay, so this is his account. He supposedly interviewed people that were still living and blah, blah, blah. So this is what he says went down. He says that the witch that haunted them, its name was Old Kate Bats Witch. In one of her tantrums, she, the witch, that is the spirit, got to a point where it was like, full-on talking to them and having conversations and mocking them and all that stuff. And it told them its name was Old Kate Bat's Witch. That's what it referred to itself as. So Kate became what they were calling it. It did center around Betsy Bell and her father. The spirit supposedly hated the father. Now, how many of us teenage girls are all mad at our parents? Like, you don't even understand and all that stuff. So maybe, maybe she was having some issues with her parents. At one point, she got engaged, and the witch supposedly hated the guy she got engaged to and lashed out at him or something. So maybe it really was just teenage angst <laughs> gone terribly, terribly wrong. So the family saw apparitions of humans and animals. 
They heard knocking. They heard gnawing on their beds while they were sleeping, like an animal was gnawing at the wood of the bed. Invisible dogs fighting, chains being dragged along the floor. Um, John Sr., his mouth went numb for a while, and then sheets pulled from the bed during their sleep. Um, Hair pulled, children being scratched, slapped, pinched, and stuck with pins. Now that's a weird one. Are you telling me that pins, like sewing pins, just materialized and stuck in this poor girl? Because it's Betsy who they say got stuck with pins. Ooh, I keep, I'm trying to picture that, how that would happen. And that is weird. So the spirit began to speak at some point. It escalated and it started speaking to them. And it said it had been disturbed in a nearby Native American burial ground. And that's why it was suddenly haunting them. Now, now that's this book's version. There were other versions of the legend that said the witch was the ghost of an unpleasant overseer that John Bell Sr. murdered. And that's there are others also. But So the book said that she was from a Native burial ground or whatever. The funny part to me is that during some of the rants that this spirit supposedly had, she would spread gossip of the other households in town. So, like, <laughs> she'd be ranting to people and, like, spout off, oh, yeah, well, Becky over there <laughs> is sleeping with so-and-so in the other household or whatever. Like, she would spread rumors and gossip about the other families in town, which is funny. But the the speaking part is what makes me think, I, okay, so so I, my guess is that people got all excited about all the activity and they started embellishing the story and making a little making it a little more fantastical. There's also some thoughts that maybe the guy who wrote this book kind of embellished some of the facts of the story made it sound more interesting than it was. But I don't understand how a poltergeist activity that is actually coming from a living human could like speak and do all these things that they're saying that she did. But supposedly the spirit liked John's wife, Lucy. So John Sr.'s wife, Lucy, would get really nice messages from this witch And she'd tell her how great she was and how she was just the greatest thing that walked the earth. And it would actually bring her fruit. So like she would wake up in the morning and there'd be a bowl of fresh strawberries on her table (laughs) as a gift from the witch. And sometimes the witch would sing hymns to her. So I wonder how anxious the wife was to get rid of this spirit. (laughs) She might not have been. She might have been like, you guys calm down. She's fine. Like, just let her stay for a while. I've got a craving for pineapple. We all know we can't grow that around here. Just chill. Just chill. I could totally see that. (laughs) So the spirit hated John Sr. and referred to him as Old Jack and made it very known that she intended to kill him. The Bell Witch did. So the legend says that the Bell Witch poisoned him. And then when he died and people were there mourning him, she actually interrupted the mourning by singing drinking songs. (laughs) 
I kind of like this witch. I kind of wish that I could meet her. I mean, but not for real. Don't come for me. So, <laughs> but she, you know, she doesn't sound all that bad. Maybe John was a jerk. So the legend says that the witch poisoned him. And then the spirit left the family in 1821, but she told them that she would return in seven years. She did supposedly return in seven years, in 1828. And when she returned, she returned to Lucy and her sons. But they chose to ignore her. They thought that maybe if they didn't pay her any attention that she would go away or maybe the haunting would die down or something. And sure enough, they didn't pay her much attention and they said that she left, that the activity slowed and slowed and slowed until it was gone. So maybe it's true what they say. If you have a bully, just ignore them and they'll get bored and leave you alone. I don't know. So that was it. Now, um, Andrew Jackson apparently was intrigued by this whole story at one point. So he actually sent his men to investigate in that area, and they were supposedly frightened away. They didn't want to stick around. They they ran off and left. Yeah, so that's the story of the Bell Witch. So that's why I kind of question, was that a poltergeist? Because to me, some of that activity doesn't sound like a poltergeist to me. I, I've never really known a poltergeist to talk that much like this witch supposedly was having full conversations with them out of nowhere the skeptic in me thinks that somebody was messing with them somebody was hiding off in a secret room or under the floorboards or something and because this is just way too much talk too much information from this supposed spirit you know so i think maybe activity did start but once it got going I think that some people exaggerated it on purpose for attention. I don't know if the Bell family did that or if it was somebody outside of their family, but that's my take on that. But it's still an intriguing story. So how common are poltergeists? So this article says poltergeist agents are very often adolescents, but not always. It seems true that some adolescents, under the combined stresses of growing up and the hormonal changes occurring during puberty, can produce poltergeist activity. But adults under stress can be agents as well, especially perhaps if they have unresolved stresses from childhood. Uh-oh. <laughs> My family is screwed. <laughs> I have so much unresolved. Oh, goodness. I'm just waiting for a chair to fly across the room right now. <laughs> so it is unknown how common poltergeist activity is. Certainly, remarkable cases in which household objects are tossed about are relatively rare. But those are the cases that get attention and are documented simply because they are remarkable, especially if the activity persists over many days, weeks, or months. There may be many more cases, however, that occur just once or on rare occasions to people. Documented Cases of Poltergeists There is ample documentation that poltergeist activity does take place in various levels of severity and for various lengths of time. 
Many cases have been documented by such researchers as Hans Holzer, Brad Steiger, and others. Their books are available in libraries and bookstores. So then this article has a couple of links um, to take you to other poltergeist cases, famous ones that you can read about. So if you're into this subject like I am, I very much encourage you to click the link in the show notes and check out this article. I have always found it intriguing because I feel like I had that kind of activity around me as a teenager. So I don't know. What's your opinion? Tell me. Leave me a um, message in Twitter at True Hauntings with a Z at the end. Or you can post it in my Facebook group because we all like talking about that stuff. In fact, tomorrow when this when this episode goes live, I will probably post in my Facebook group and ask what your opinions are about poltergeist. Do you think it's an actual spirit or malevolent demon or something? Or do you think that it could be psychokinetic energy from humans causing those things to happen? And has it ever happened to you or around you or somebody in your household? Like, have you had that kind of poltergeist type things flying around? And I'm not talking about the movie because the movie sensationalizes it. It's not usually like that in real life. But like, have you had something move in your house? Have you heard knocking? Have you been scratched or pinched or whatever? Think about it. That could be somebody in your house or even yourself causing that activity. What do you think about it? I personally think it is possible, maybe. I think it might be possible. I think poltergeist activity might actually be caused by a living human being that's in turmoil. Thank you for tuning in. Because of my son getting COVID, uh, my boxes got postponed a little bit. Uh, my box of haunts mystery boxes, but I am releasing the voodoo mystery boxes this month um, here in the next few days. I will probably ship them out next week because that's after my quarantine will be done. And then it'll take a, about five days for them to get to the people who've ordered them. And then if you want one, you can go to my Etsy store, True Hauntings Shop. You can go there and find them on sale for there. I'm only making five boxes. Two of them are already accounted for. Um, no, three of them are already accounted for. So I will only have two of them for sale on my Etsy store. So if you want one of those two, you better jump on there and grab it. Cause I don't know how long they'll last. And they're really cool. I, once again, I wish I had made an extra box for me because I want the things that are in that box. But I didn't, so oh well. You guys get to enjoy it. So thanks for chatting with me, and I will spook you later. <laughs>